Have you ever wondered why it's so darn hard, particularly in the space industry, to cooperate internationally, trade technology, sell stuff? There are things, regulations, uh, called ITAR and EAR, and I want to explore these. I am not an attorney. This is not legal or professional, quote-unquote, advice. I am the president of a technology company, and I wanted to find out about these topics more, and I thought that I would take you along for the ride. So... Do not take anything I say as the word. This is an exploration of these topics, and it's for entertainment. Do not let this take the place of serious legal rigor. Go talk to an attorney if you wonder whether this applies to your situation. So, as we get into this, the first thing we discover is something called dual-use goods. What the heck does that mean? Well... There are a whole bunch of things out there in the world that are being made uh, from chemicals to navigation systems to, I mean, the PlayStation was on this list for a while, okay? Dual use means this is a perfectly legitimate product. It can be used in a civilian setting to make a product that people use in their homes or play games with or something, but it can also be used in a chemical or other weapon military fashion. And as soon as it gets into that dual-use area, we've got problems. There are difficulties with regulating these items, and there are a couple of regulatory controls that we'll be looking at, ITAR and EAR here. Um, The the idea here is we want to control terrorist financing and weapon of mass destruction proliferation. That would be nice, wouldn't it? This is not an easy subject, but it is one that we really need to look at. And the question is that... ITAR and EAR really want to protect you, the American manufacturer, from, is how could your product be misused? I mean, margarine was on this list. (laughs) (laughs) Anything can be turned into a weapon, it seems. So as soon as you have a technology or an item that can have a commercial and military application, if it's the component of a weapon or a manufacturing component, it's now a dual-use good. And the... (laughs) crazy thing here is like it's stuff from chlorine through aircraft you know an electric fan can be misused it it is really wild and the question that we're really looking at is context when investigators are looking to see if there's a problem here is this item being misused it's what they look at is aggregation of information in other words what is being pulled together by this uh, actor, I guess. And what what does that thought process reveal? So nations have realized that they need to cooperate with each other in how dual-use goods are authorized or licensed to be exported outside of their home nation jurisdiction. It is not straightforward. It is not easy. And again, this is not legal advice. So do not listen to me about how to do it. This is just a general look at the topic for entertainment purposes, okay? We have product control lists that have nuclear materials, electronics, computers, navigation, aerospace items on them. And this list is being updated all the time. The EU updated its list a couple years ago to include laser measuring systems, some medical stuff, and biological agents. How do these nations control or enforce these regulations? Well, they've got sanctions that they can apply. Um, You can go to jail for a long time. Let's not do that. 
the good folks in the security agencies are looking at who is gathering what information, what might that lead to, and then uh, making decisions about, okay, what do we do with this? Financial institutions are, are a big part of this here. They're constantly issuing letters of credit and opening accounts and moving documents back and forth and applying guarantees and issuing loans. And so this is a great way to investigate, right? Uh, obviously, money laundering is a big issue out there. And that is a good starting point. Now, these two regulation areas that apply are the Export Administration Regulations and the International Traffic and Arms Regulations. Now, we're going to look at EAR first because I want to keep you listening. <laughs> Everybody knows about ITAR, right? But not many people know as much about EAR. So we can think about EAR as controlling commercial and dual-use items, information technology. This is a big area and there is some overlap between EAR and ITAR. They're not mutually exclusive. EAR does handle some kinds of munitions and military hardware. EAR means that you're talking to the U.S. Department of Commerce, Bureau of Industry and Security. That BIS is responsible for all the jurisdiction licensing policy and enforcement of EAR regulations. How do we know whether we're on the list, right? There's a thing called the Commerce Control List, or CCL. There are 10 different categories and five different product groups on the CCL. And there's a thing called the Export Control Classification Number that handles your item. That is your item, and you're going to want to grab that number. The authorities really encourage you to not jump to a thing called EAR99. You do not want to go to that ECCN and uh, say, oh, well, this is a catch-all. Look at the others. So the purpose here of ITAR and EAR is to protect the national security of the United States by preventing people from exporting controlled items in an unauthorized way to foreign organizations or people. EAR is covered by the U.S. Department of Commerce, and that BIS. ITAR is handled by the U.S. Department of State, DTTC. EAR regulates commercial and dual-use items and technology. ITAR regulates defense articles and defense services. EAR has that commercial control list, CCL. ITAR has something called the United States Munitions List, USML. So you're going to want to look for your ECCN under EAR, but under ITAR it's called the USML category and subcategory. Are there exemptions and exceptions? Sometimes. you got to go to the organization. And each organization can issue you an export license. So you fill out an export license application through uh, an appropriate organization. The EAR is called SNAP-R. That's that organization that runs that. And in ITAR, it's called D-Trade. And again, I really encourage you to go talk to a lawyer about this stuff. So let's cover ITAR here real quick. It regulates the export of defense articles and defense services, but it covers a lot. It's a lot more than just jet planes and rockets. It covers body armor, electronics, a lot of spacecraft, satellites, imaging systems. ITAR controls exports, re-exports, temporary exports, and temporary imports. This does not have to be a physical product either. Information is covered under ITAR. If you're a U.S. person and you're giving controlled information to a foreign person, even if they're both working, you and they are both working at the same company in the United States, you can be in trouble. Be careful. ITAR has a list called the United States Munitions List. 
Right now, it consists of about 21 different categories of products and technical data. This can get pretty granular. I mean, it comes all the way down to spare parts and components and accessories and things like that. A clue as to which regulation set applies to your situation may be find out which government agency is involved in this jurisdiction, right? Who is doing the licensing review? For ITAR, again, if you get sent to the Department of State, Directorate of Defense Trade Controls, the DDTC thing, you're under ITAR. EAR is the commercial control list and the Bureau of Industry and Security under the Department of Commerce. If you're looking at data and services, looks like you're under ITAR. So, And then this term defense services. If you're going into a, a, another nation uh, or even talking to, again, a foreign person in the same organization inside the United States and you're both employees of it, it you still have got to watch out for this stuff. Because if you train somebody or you do a design, test something, a maintenance and repair services is more, you could be covered under ITAR here and not be allowed to do that or need a license to do it. So what I have seen legal organizations who deal with this stuff uh, say as to answering the question of, hey, is what I'm dealing with here controlled by ITAR or EAR? They say, start with ITAR and look through the USML. Talk to your customer, find out what that end use is that they're looking at it for, and then that should help you figure out, okay, is this under ITAR or not? And it, usually it's like the first place to look is under ITAR. And then if it's not, then it's under EAR, probably. <laughs> so, and you can get a judgment. Uh, it's, there's a thing called a commodity jurisdiction that you can get from the DDTC to be told, okay, uh, which regulation applies here. So you need to rule out ITAR first and then go over to EAR. So again, just because you may have been thinking about physical products here, the ITAR reaches farther. File sharing and compliance are still issues here. And you don't want to run afoul of what could be very serious consequences for failing to comply with government regulations that maybe you didn't know existed. And it's not just fines and lost business, but criminal charges that could be applied to you. So you want to check this out first. So what you may think of as exporting may not be the full scope of what that term actually means out there in the real world. Okay, Exporting data is a daily occurrence for organizations. And the uh, question is, who are you sending data to internally and externally? And is it safe? So security conscious organizations that help companies be compliant with ITAR and EAR will tell you first, look at your access controls. You want secure file sharing. You don't want to be doing this over public computers. Definitely want account access protection, even if it's just username and password. ITAR regulated data has another component to it, which is physical protection. So you can't just be zipping data around from anywhere. You actually have to find a, a secure location to do FTP data transfer with. System management is the second category. Back to FTP hosting again and security measures with them. You need to look at the hardware, who is allowed in there. And they even want you to wipe electronic media. There's a NIST requirement for that. <laughs> Transmission of data. I mean, it's... It sounds silly, but uh, the people apparently need to be reminded to not transmit unencrypted data if you're in this compliance situation. And these requirements extend to your subcontractors, which I don't think is a surprise to anybody. 
the last category that they encourage you to look at is executable software on shared systems. They want to make sure that systems are only operated by U.S. citizens. So it is not just physical items, file sharing, and it is also a big area for compliance. So I learned quite a bit, at least as far as a starting point goes. Check out the ITAR list first, and then if it's not covered there, go check out the EAR. Definitely consult an appropriate attorney or compliance firm and find out, is there anything that we need to be concerned about as far as export regulations go. This is Jason Canigan from Cold Star Tech. Thanks for joining me on this discovery.